Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. the ultimate rock community podcast thanks for tuning in once again always appreciate you stopping by thanks for giving us a listen we do appreciate it we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts you can check them out at pantheonpodcast.com as well as on social media at instagram twitter and facebook at pantheon pods And also, you can check out The Hook Rocks and all three of those platforms as well. Just search up The Hook Rocks and set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episodes right to your phone. We've had some great episodes recently. We just welcomed George Lynch from Lynch Mob talking his latest project with Michael Sweet, Sweet Lynch, or Sweet and Lynch. And we also talked with the lead singer of Steelheart, Miljenko Matijevic, and some new music spotlights as well. Pavel Vandepol of D-Wolf, as well as... Jason and Lacey from Bourbon House. We talked with Scott Gorham of Thin Lizzy, along with our co-host for that episode, Don Jameson. We welcome Tyler Bryant from Tyler Bryant The Shakedown, talking his new EP, Dirty Work. Rock journalist Matt Wake joined us to talk about the new L.A. Guns album and their legacy. The new album, Black Diamonds, is phenomenal. We kept the subject of that going with Phil Lewis, the lead singer of L.A. Guns. Check out that great conversation. We ranked our top 10 albums from 
the first quarter, January through March, on our quarterly album review. So check out our top 10, which album made it to number one. And we started the month off with Jared James Nichols and Tuck Smith, ready to hit the road and their tour right now that's going on. So if you're looking to go see a great rock and roll show, go check that out as well. And of course, check out our interview with Richie Kotzen of the Winery Dogs, Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick, and the Gems, three ladies that were formerly of Thunder Mother, this great Swedish band, are now forming their own band after departing Thunder Mother, called the Gems. They've got a new single, I think, coming out either by the end of this month here, we're recording this in April, or sometime in May. So be on the lookout for that. We've got another great episode for you today, man. I've been wanting to interview this guy for quite a while. His music, his band means so much to me. It all started back in 1988. I was going in eighth grade. It was a summer before eighth grade. And in Chicago, it was like 100 degrees. The humidity was out of sight. My parents were at work. My older brother was sleeping. And I'm laying on the couch in the TV room watching MTV just as like every other kid back in that time was doing. And about 10 a.m., the video for the song Madeline came out. And I was blown away. I had not heard this song on any of the rock radio stations in Chicago. They've not seen the video before. I didn't even hear this band before, either in Circus Magazine or Hipperator. So I was, like, stunned. And brother got up. I'm telling him about this band. He's thinking I'm lying and just making up a band and whatever. And I'm like, no, man, this band's great. And I kept waiting for the video to come back around. And I was waiting day after day, waiting for this Madeline video by Winger. And I finally got my paper out money together, rode my bike up to the record store, bought the tape, and just started playing it for everybody. And everybody was blown away. And here I am today interviewing the lead singer of that band, lead singer and the bass player, talking their new album, Seven, out May 5th on Frontier Records. I'd like to welcome in Kip Winger. What's going on, Kip? How are you? Great, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, man. It's going to be a pleasure getting to know you over the next 30 minutes. Um, Appreciate you doing this. I've um, been looking forward to having you on for quite some time, um, but we always begin with the same first question, and that is, just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Yeah, yeah I can't believe I people answer that question. Um, I guess people, some people go, oh my God, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan or something like that, but for me... I was in a band with my two older brothers, and I just don't remember. We, we, I was getting inundated with all these 70s albums, you know, because I was born in 61. So, um, And my my parents were in a band. It was all just music coming at me since I was very young. Um, so I always knew I was going to be a musician from the time I was like five years old. Um, so there wasn't... <clears throat> I didn't have that aha moment with an album. I had it with music, but it was I was so young, I couldn't tell you what it was, actually. Sorry to disappoint. Maybe I'm the odd man out. No worries. Um, as, that, as that motivation to become a musician or that knowledge that you wanted to be a musician at an early age started to formulate, what really came first for you? Was it the song? Was it the sound? Was it... To the a performance that you saw was it how did you know at that early age that that's what you wanted to do that's a great question i i um 
like m- my mom got me into this Yamaha piano course, it's like the Suzuki method, but it was Yamaha's version. Of it, and I really took to it like a duck to water. And my parents were in a band together, so they just like immersed us in all this stuff. Like I was in a drum and bugle corps. I played trumpet when I was like, I don't know, nine or 10. And, and I, and then, you know, I got my first bass when I was like six or seven and, and, uh, and it was just music everywhere. So it was kind of, uh, it was all of the above, man. Um, I wrote my first song at 12. And when I started hearing melodies and stuff, that was really like, okay, you know, this is it. But it was always it. I mean, it was strange. And it's, you know, it's kind of, I look at internet now and I see all these people doing music and you look at Instagram and it's, it's, it's so many billions of people are, are do music and can, can kind of call themselves musicians, you know. So it starts to feel a little less and less special, but it's not special to the relationship of what music is, you know. So um, I guess that's a little bit of an esoteric answer, but um, I would, you know, it was all of the above. It was the performance, the cool performances. My first concert was like, well, my first concert was Bread, and I actually met David Gates at that. And then my second, like, real rock concert was Black Sabbath when I was, like, I don't know, really young. And, uh, you know, when I started seeing these bands live, it was really like, okay, how am I going to get to do that, you know? I mentioned the debut album having a meaning for myself, you know, being a kid, and as you look at the body of work at Winger, as we come to the new album, Seven, that's out May 5th, there's a def- definitive evolution in the band, in its sound. And, and we all know kind of your history with music. You know, obviously, being the front man of Winger, you came from Alice Cooper. You have a very, um, you know, composer background, too, and a lot of orchestral music. When you look back at that stuff on the first album, like Headed for a Heartbreak, or even the song Hungry, you really do notice kind of your background and where you were going with things. And yeah. obviously when Winger, you know, parted ways in the, in the mid nineties, you really went that route with solo work and doing more of that. And obviously now with this new album, what really impresses me is there's a mood similar to an orchestra in the sound, in the, in the constant flow of the music and in the arrangement, mm-hmm. you know, like when, when you see, when you hear an orchestra, obviously you've heard one, but when I hear one, you, the mood comes from the way the instruments are played and the arrangements, how they come in and how it all comes together. And I get that from this new album, probably more so than any other album that you guys have done. Have you heard the whole album? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, well, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, as time goes on, I'm I'm more and more weave that kind of stuff into the into the music just because of through osmosis of having written enough classical music to where it's it's kind of heavily influencing all of my decisions, and it also feeds the rock thing feeds off the classical and vice versa because you know if you're stuck on a chord progression in a typical rock song, I've got you know a lot more, you know, kind of ideas and ways and mechanisms to to solve a problem, a musical problem, um, just having done that, um, rather than, you know, kind of rehashing the same old chord progressions and stuff like that. So 
and I try to, even though I didn't write this like as a concept album or anything, I, I do try to put some kind of a journey into motion, especially within the song, you know. So, you, you know, I appreciate you noticing that because I do consciously make an effort to do that. What comes first for you? The, the idea, the sound, the tone, the content of the song? How do you build something like like the songs that are on this record? I say this a lot, man. All artists would say the same thing to me. Things come in many different ways. It could be a vocal melody. It could be a guitar riff. It could be a weird sound on the keyboard that gives you an inspiration. And usually what happens for me is like I see the whole thing at once. If I get hit by an idea, I see like the whole template of what's coming before me. The the trick is to develop your skill enough to be able to manifest that magnificent thing that you see or hear. Um, and that's that's a whole life's journey, you know. And I would I would I would I would venture to say that most artists would say that too, you know, um, unless. Unless you're just kind of a jammer where you jam out a riff and like, okay, what do we do next? You know, and like kind of fumbling your way through it, which is not a bad thing. There's no judgment there because there's many great songs have been written by fumbling the, your way through it, including myself. Um, it's just that as, as time has gone by, I'm much better at seeing what I'm hearing and being able to manifest it pretty quickly. So... That's a long answer to your question, which is that it all it comes in all forms. Thinking back of my own musical journey, because you touched on the journey, I think of songs that were a journey in themselves. You, you think of Cashmere from Zeppelin or Achilles Last Stand, or you think of a lot of the Yes stuff and a lot of the Rush stuff. That it's it's almost like it's there's different chapters in within the song, and the the music creates a mood just as much as the melody or the lyrics do. When you're writing this album and you're putting it together and you have a theme in your head of one, you mentioned that it all comes together. You think of it. How do you match everything together? Is it like on a storyboard? Is it in all in your head? You hear it. How do you, how do you get the output? Is <clears throat> I just, I, I've learned to do that all in my head. I, I used to, I used to try to map stuff more out. I like write stuff down and stuff like that. But what I find is that, if you just try to exercise the muscles in your brain, that'll just keep going, pouring over the material. I'm doing this right now with a violin concerto. I'm writing for Nashville Symphony. I'm staying away from the instruments more and just trying to pour over the music in my mind so I can free myself of the sound of an instrument, which always bogs you down. Um, and and so you'll find that if you do that, the best ideas keep coming back. You know what I mean? Like if you can remember, and and you don't and you don't try to. If if I have a, an idea that I know I'm going to forget, I'll put it in my voice memos. But normally, I'll just keep pouring over it in my mind, and the the best of ideas will continue. They'll stay in your mind. You know, you kind of forget the stuff that's kind of more ex just nebulous or experimental. You just, you know, like I said, I'm doing this very thing. I have this really kind of cool theme 
And, and, it, and inevitably, most of these ideas are bigger than, you know, when you push, when you're, from the artist's point of view, when you push forward, it's inevitable that you're going to come across ideas that are much bigger and better than you are, so you kind of have to grow into them, you know. And so it takes a while, like cooking soup, you know, you put in all these ingredients and you have to let it simmer, you know. And oftentimes... This is what I find a lot of, like, especially like in Nashville, they'll, there's like the, they crank out like, you know, between all the writers in Nashville, there's like hundreds of songs being written every single day. And my, and they, and they tend to sound very similar, you know, it's like become starts down to kind of cookie cutter. And my, my objection to that is that you don't let anything like cook in the, in the pot for a while to really let it become what it could be you just kind of i mean some some songs pop out in in the half hour and they're you know classics and it's great but a lot of times you just got to let it sit and especially with classical music you just got to like think about it for a while um i don't know if i'm answering your question because i'm very i'm big on the philosophy of how this all goes you know Absolutely. As far as you mentioned, you know, songs being written, hundreds of songs being being written in Nashville, and they tend to all kind of become cookie cutter. Is it important for you to kind of get out of your space when you're creating to kind of have that clear palette and no distractions? So you're not in danger of writing something that is familiar or writing something that is cookie cutter. No, I, I'm, I'm, I've developed my voice enough to where I could sit in the midst of a battlefield where people are writing whatever they want to right around me and I could stick to my guns and, and do what I do. I'm, I'm pretty set in my ways in terms of knowing what I hear, um, not repeating myself, but just I, I have a very clear vision of what I want. You know, I don't have, there's no question about I'm not searching for, hmm, where's that thing I'm looking for? My quest is to be able to manifest all the stuff that I am hearing, you know. It's very clear what I hear, you know. I mean, it, by the way, I mean, you either like it or hate it, or maybe it's lukewarm. I mean, I'm not suggesting that anybody should even like what I do. I'm just saying that it's really clear in my mind and in my soul, you know. Um, so there's no real, there's there's no debate it, with with what I do for me, because it's just very clear, you know. Was this always the way you created or was this something that evolved oh, no, within you no. as an artist? No, not at all. I used to imitate and that's what you do, you know. Uh student artists imitate great art, you know. I would write, okay, what is White Snake doing or what are the Beatles doing or you know, what is uh you know, Reb and I started with Winger and it was like we'd just keep MTV on nonstop and like listen to what was popular, Def Leppard especially. Mutt Lang was really driving the boat back then. Man. I mean, he he was real, in my opinion, uh, he was a great, great songwriter, producer who who really had a kind of above average clarity. Um, so we would imitate stuff, you know, like, well, what are they doing? And then re we, you do your interpretation of what the greats, so, so to speak, do. I had a composition teacher tell me one time, like, look, go ahead and imitate all you want, because no matter what happens, you're going to, 
you're going to try to filter that idea through you and it's never going to sound like them. It's going to sound more like you. So just go ahead and steal an idea and try to morph it into what you do. And it's, it's inevitably going to sound like you. And it's a great exercise for, for people who want to write, you know, to just, hmm, what would Sting do right now? Let's try that, you know, and then it always will lead you. I used to do that when I had writer's block. I'd be like, you know, what is Peter Gabriel doing? I would listen to his thing and try to grab some of the chords and the sounds and go, mm, okay, what would I do with that? You know? And, and it's, and over time, you know, I don't do that anymore because I, like I don't, not to be redundant. I, I have a very clear picture of what, what's going on in, inside my creative process. When you found you know, sort of the, the sweet space for you or the, or the freedom of, of creating more or less, you know, and not being tied down to doing what other people are doing artistically. Was that a sense of freedom for you? Where like, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of in tune to the beat of your own drum. You know, it sounds like, you know, you don't rely on something else. Yeah. It, on the other hand, it's torture. It's kind of like uh, the, 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 the previous way I was saying, it's like, you know, they, giving yourself a map like okay here's the map to get from point a to point b and then if you abandon that and go solely with what you're hearing you don't have a map you know so you have to really dig and dig and dig to find your way to the destination which could and there's always there's always a, a multiplicity of destinations with one idea you know one idea could go a million different ways you know so you have to be really clear on what what that initial spark and kind of i always call them lightning bolts it's like bang there's the idea oh my god could i do that how would i even do that you know and then find a way and then I'll, and sometimes i've i've done that and then i've gotten sidetracked and the sidetracked version was better so i was oh, well that's that you know i'll go with the sidetracked version um and I've always said this too, and I stick to this, um, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, all the best ideas are by accident. Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you think of this album, Seven, that's about to be released, and you think of where you came from with the last album, I think was, what, nine years ago that you released something? Um, six, seven, nine, eight, yeah, nine but Yeah, but you got to remember, in between, I wrote um, Conversations with the Jinsky Orchestra piece. It was like symphonic piece. I, um, A Parting Grace. Get Jack, which is two hours of orchestral rock and rock music. And uh, I wrote my first symphony. You know, I mean, I did a lot of work in between there, man, like a lot of work. So Reb was touring with Whitesnake. We didn't really have a chance to get together. And so we actually got together in 19 and started in 19, but then COVID just kicked the shit out of all of us, you know. So um, album would have been out sooner, but... I'm and and you know it's the same for everybody. You know everybody got killed. Well, my question was, you know, with with that with that last album into seven, when you're creating all the things that you do create and all the things that you're working on, when do you know the sound you're hearing or the idea that you have is a winger idea versus something else? Winger is completely comprised of Reb Beach's guitar sound and my voice. You know, it's like Reb, give me a riff. You know, let's. It's it's always the same. We sat down with the drum machine. First riff he ever played me was seventeen, and in the first day we worked, it was seventeen. Time to surrender in Madeleine. You know, like we we knocked those three out. Probably not finished, but you know, I remember he played me. Well, I got this riff. What do we do with it? You know, like, and so. I don't even try to write winger albums without Reb. It's like I've written, ironically, like I wrote the new the new track, It All Comes Back Around. I wrote that myself as I did Headed for Heartbreak. Um, but it's always influenced by my time with Reb, you know. Um, we trust each other very implicitly. And, you know, I count on him to come up with the cool riffs, man, you know, because he's, he's a genius riff meister man i mean he's really you know he's written some incredible riffs and so that's that's the formula if you want to say formula i mean there is a certain formulaic aspect to any quote brand um i really hate that word brand and franchise and all the crap people use now with that um we're, we're a band you know it's like led zeppelin or you know it's like jimmy page writes some licks Robert Plant writes a melody, you know, and that's, and you know, I mean, Robert Plant with 
Alison Krauss doesn't sound like Led Zeppelin. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, and Jimmy Page with Coverdale doesn't sound like Led Zeppelin either. You know, it's a thing, you know, and then we have Rod in there doing kind of more interesting drumming than normal because he's kind of comes from the fusion area. Paul's got extensive experience with many acts. And I did, you know, one thing very interesting about this Winger album, it's the only album we've ever done where every original member plus John Roth, who's been in since 93, played on every single song. So, you know, quite literally, it is the definitive Winger album. You know, it's got every one of us on every song, you know, uh, which is uh, a first. You mentioned Headed for a Heartbreak, which was a big song for you guys back in the day. And I remember getting the second album and hearing the song Rainbow and the Rose. Yeah, and knowing just by listening that there was something different about Winger that was not happening with any other band that was around because th- that song really specifically spoke to me in that difference. And then when you go back and you hear the debut album, as I did, it all started to make sense that there was this melodic, there was this journey of songs. Like you think of, of "Headed for a Heartbreak" with the structure and the arrangement, and then into the second album, it was almost like it was this stuff that you're doing now was building within you guys even back then. And of course, you know, with the MTV generation, it was it was hard to notice because everybody was more interested in what people look like than more or less how they played. And I always thought that Winger were a bunch of players. They could they could play their ass off. They're musicians. And now when you hear the new album, it seems like there's been a continuous journey within the band to get to this point. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I put that into the whole career of the band. I I always thought, OK, what next? What next? What next? You know? And uh, ironically, there's not that much superly progressive music on this album. I kept, I was going for the the initial spark of the first album, like the, like the, how would I say that? Like the uh, kind of initial inspiration that we had going on the first album and kind of marry it with the depth that kind of followed it. And uh but I mean, for example, like on Better Days Coming, there's a song like Tin Soldier. It's very progressive. And there's a lot of stuff on Winger 4 that's much more progressive. I opted not to do that on this album. I kept it I kept it pretty straight down the pike. Um, but the answer to your question is yes, absolutely. I, I, I definitely thought I think of I think of the legacy of the band in terms of, OK, well, we did this album, second album, third album, fourth album. Then came Karma, then came Better Days Coming, and now this. And so, I mean, at one point, I thought it would be cool to do an all-progressive album and go, okay, this is these, this is the capabilities of the players, you know, and write like a whole album of Tin Soldier type stuff. Because I was really into the, you know, all these bands, Yes, and Jethro Tull and all that super progressive stuff from the 70s. But, um, yeah. I did. I did. I did consider that while making this album. You know, we often say as people, as we look back on our lives, you know, we look back at ourselves as teenagers in the twenties, and we say, "Man, I don't even know who that person is anymore." Do you ever look back at Winger and some of the old stuff and say, "Man, I don't even know who that band is because of what you're doing now"? No, because I can remember every detail of it. I, I remember. Okay, what was I thinking when I wrote? 
I don't know, just whatever song, Blind Revolution Mad. I mean, I remember exactly where I was and what state of mind I was in, you know. Um, I wish I had known a few things back then that I, you know, I like I wish I had taken a little bit more time on the second album to do a couple things differently, especially the mix. But... uh no, I mean, I'm, I was quite aware of everything that's going on. Like, I, I'm in touch with the me that wrote all that stuff back then. As we close here um, with our interview, our conversation, when you think of this album, Seven, is there, for you, a defining song on this album? Or is it a whole package? What, what, what are your feelings? What, do you, what does this album say for you? That's a great question. I wouldn't have a clue, man. What I think is I tried to make a collection of songs that is the definitive winger. Um, It all comes back around has been getting really the kind of comments on the video that I was hoping for, you know, people are really connecting to it, but the next song that's coming out, the video we're doing is a song called tears of blood. And it's really intense song. Um, you know, and, and there's, you know what, there's a little bit of everything on it. So I couldn't really, I couldn't say that. Uh, and I can't say that about any of the other albums either. Um, the only thing I can say is my favorite song to perform to of all winger songs of all time is Midnight Driver of a Love Machine. That's so much fun to play live. Um, but uh, I don't think there's a definitive winger song. I think there's there's like aspects of winger that different songs represent, you know, like there's this section of our band and there's this part and there's this part, but um, I don't think, I don't think there's one song that defines this album. I'll be interested to see what people think of the whole album, you know? Yeah. Like I said, I like the journey of it. Like you mentioned in the beginning, I like the, how the, the, the mood of the music matches the lyrics in the arrangements. I think it's every song feels like, like a classical piece with wrapped around in a rock song. It's well, that, really- you know what? That's the best compliment you could give me. I appreciate that very much actually, because a good, you know, good song is like lyric matching the feeling of the music and those things, those two things, the, the better those are intertwined. I think the better the song, you know? So that's, that's, that's amazing that you would even say that. So I appreciate that a lot. It's almost like a movie that you watch where there's a scene and you hear the music in the background. And, and every time you hear a song, like when you think of Layla, the breakdown in Layla, you think of Goodfellas, right? Yeah. How that, how that, how that piano part makes you think of that movie. And it's almost like this album. I never saw the movie. No, you've never seen it. So no. like that. Yeah, no, there's, but it, it kind of goes with that philosophy. There's certain parts in movies where you hear a song or a, or a, a music piece, an orchestral piece that creates tension or creates happiness or creates whatever the mood that you want to convey. I and appreciate I, that. I mean, you know, I, I, I do want to make albums still. I'm not the singles guy. Like now I know the business is more like, Hey, just put out a song and a song and a song and a song. But for me, there is a, an album is a journey. I just, maybe I call me old fashioned, you know, uh, I dig that. And, um, and I definitely try to weave that into the album. Like for example, which song, what the sequencing is, you know, that took me 
I went through about seven sequences before I landed on the sequence that this album has, you know, because I, it's very important, like how this feels from song to song, you know. Um, so there is like, if you say there, there's not like a story from the point of view of being a concept album, but there is an emotional thread through the whole thing. Definitely. Yeah. That's what I love. And it, it almost feels too, as you listen for those that, are going to be checking out the album next week. It feels like from the first song to the last, there's even an evolution within the album too, which is I think, yeah, I, I, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. What are the plans for this? I know you just came here to Chicago area this past weekend. I know you're doing some dates now, but what's the plans for the rest of the year? Just touring. We're touring heavily. So we're just, you know, we're going to UK soon and we're going to, Australia and Japan, and we're doing Tom Kiefer in the summer, and, and uh, we got like Steel Panther in the UK, and headline shows, and you know all over the place, and, and just you know a lot of a lot of touring, a lot of touring. Yep, it's been a blast, man. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you. I'll talk to you. Man. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's Kip Winger from the band Winger. Get the album Seven out on May fifth on Frontier Records. It's a blast. It's awesome. It's a journey. You will love it. I'm Jay Scott. This has been another episode of the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other. We will talk soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.